And there is the Grinch. Before we talk about that movie and about the scripture that that illustrates, I forgot to mention when I was lighting the Advent candle that we do have Advent guides that you can pick up in the Welcome Center. They look like this. They're booklets. Of course, Advent is the four Sundays before Christmas and also the days of the week. So there are 21 days of Advent. And each day in this devotional, there is a scripture passage and a devotion on that. And each Sunday of Advent, there is a suggested activity for you and your family to um, make the most of preparing for Christmas. So there's a limited copies in the Welcome Center, but you're welcome to take one. If we run out of those, just let the church office know. But also, I encourage you to go online, and you can download this yourself. And it is also, if you are following the church's Facebook page every day, uh, the Facebook page will also have the devotion for the day. So those are a few different ways that you can enjoy that this season. And before we come to the God's Word, let's pray and talk about joy. Well, Father, we have sung songs of joy. And Lord, we know your command to rejoice and to rejoice always. And yet, Lord, I know as we live life, it's often lived joylessly. Lord, with the circumstances, with the pressures, with the stress of life, with the disappointments and the sorrow and everything in life that makes it difficult, I know, Lord, at times we struggle to find joy. But, Lord, I am thankful that you are the source of joy and that the closer we are to you, the more we yield to you. We know that no one, no thing is going to steal that joy. So Lord, I pray this morning that especially those who are down, maybe depressed, downtrodden, I pray that today as they hear your word, you would lift them up. I pray, Lord, for those just right there in the middle, that we too would be lifted up. I pray for those who came in this morning filled with joy, that their joy would overflow to the rest of us and lift us all up. I pray, Lord, that today, as we hear your word, we would be encouraged, we would be lifted up, and not for a moment, but for a lifetime. And I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This, movie is, this week's movie is The Grinch. We saw a clip from Jim Carrey's version of it, and there is a new one this Christmas season, and also the television version from 1966, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, all based on the book by Dr. Seuss of that same name that he wrote in 1957, I believe, or 50-something, I think it was 57. And it was a book that he wrote to criticize the commercialization of Christmas, a topic that we Christians often beat the drum for every Christmas when we see the stores and we see the advertisements and it seems like all Christmas is about is buying, buying, buying and getting, getting, and getting. And so that's why he wrote the book and that's why we have loved the movies. And the favorite character of this movie, of course, is the Grinch himself whose heart was three times too small. And that's why we're told that he hated Christmas so much. He hated it so much, and he wanted to put an end to it. And so he figured that because Christmas was all about the packages and the bows and the presents 
and the stuff that all he would have to do to steal all of Christmas and all of its joy was to take it all. And so that's what he did. He went down into Whoville, and he went down there, and he took all of the presents, he took all of the food, he took every last crumb, every last bow, every last package, and he put it all onto his sled and took it up to Mount Crumpet and was ready to throw it all into the abyss so that Christmas would no longer exist. But his little dog, Max, kept that sleigh from falling off into the abyss with all of his might, with all the stuff. And the Grinch looked down on Whoville to determine and to see what Christmas would be like without everything that he had stolen. But when he looked down to Whoville, the Who's came out and they started singing. And they were singing with joy. The Grinch hadn't changed anything. And the Who's without any presents, without any decorations, were still singing, celebrating, filled with joy. And that's when the Grinch, as you heard him say in the movie clip, what if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? And when he thought about that, that's when his heart grew to normal size. And even his eyes changed color and he was filled with joy. And so he took everything that he had stolen and he got his faithful dog, Max, and they headed back down Mount Crumpet and they rushed into Whoville and they returned everything and the Grinch spent Christmas Day with the Who's carving the roast beast. And so ends the book, the movies, the story of the Grinch. It's a story about joy and about where joy comes from. And we know the command from God. He tells us to rejoice and to rejoice always. And we here in the first service have sung that chorus for weeks as we began our service. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul wants to emphasize that he says it even again. Always wasn't enough. He had to tell it again. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Yet we do know as we live our life, and even at Christmas, and sometimes especially at Christmas, the joy is missing. It's not there, even for us who are Christians. And especially when Christmas has so much pressure upon us to make it perfect. Now I find this interesting. I, I went to my computer and I typed in, a stressful Christmas to see what humorous pictures would appear. And you know what, guys? There wasn't a single picture with a guy in it. All of the pictures were of women who were stressed out. And I think, ladies, you can agree with that. Because who usually writes the Christmas cards? Who usually does the shopping? Who usually does the decorating? Who usually does the cooking? It's usually the women. No wonder they're stressed out at Christmas. 
And when they ask their husbands for some help, they just says, well, forget about it. I mean, if you don't want to do decorations, let's do it without it. You know, we don't need them. We don't need gifts. We don't need any of that stuff. So she doesn't get a lot of help. So she wants to make this perfect Christmas. And to do so brings so much stress. That how can it be a joyful season? And how can the focus of it be Jesus Christ when it's so focused on making it perfect with all these other things? It even makes you want to be a Grinch. And even as in this picture, maybe yell or kick your dog because you're so stressed out about Christmas. But see, I think this is part of the problem when it comes to, to joy. Now, where, where do we uh, see uh, joy? Uh, Jesus was joyful. Jesus wasn't a Grinch. and In fact, he was, in Luke 7, 34, accused of being a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors. He was a partier, according to his critics. I don't think if you're accused of being a partier that you're going around moping around and uh, down and depressed all the time. Jesus, as he lived among sinners, must have exuded joy. He was, he was celebrating. He was partying. He said to the disciple, uh, disciples, excuse me, to the Pharisees who are asking about the disciples, Jesus said the wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he is there with his disciples. It's time for joy. It's not time for gloom and fasting and, and depriving. It's time to celebrate. In fact, he pictures himself as a groom at a wedding. Have you ever been to a wedding where there's weeping and there's crying? Well, maybe there is, but they're not supposed to be. It's supposed to be a joyful time. And so that's what Jesus compares his life and his ministry to. He tells his disciples, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The joy that Jesus had, he wanted that in his disciples. He wants that in us. So Jesus is by no means a Grinch. He is filled with joy. He lived his life with joy so that those who saw his life complained he partied too much. He lived his life with joy that he described his time here on earth as being a groom at a wedding and he had his disciples around him. It was time to be joyful and to be happy. That's how he lived his life and he wants that joy in us. But when you think about joy, where do you see it? Where do you feel it? It's an emotion that every human has had. And it's an emotion that we see every Christmas morning and we love to see as parents and grandparents. It's when the kids see their gifts. And it seems like uh, there's a perfect age where children uh, see them and have the most joy. When they're too little, they don't know the difference between a gift and a box and wrapping paper. They just stick it all in their mouth and that, it's all the same. And when they're older, you can't impress them. You can't spend enough on them because it, it, it seems like it's never enough. But at that perfect age right in the middle when whatever they see under the tree or whatever gift they're handed to them, they're filled with joy. They are excited. They have received something. And especially for children right there in the middle, it's almost magical. There was nothing under the tree the night before. Now it's all full. Look at the magic. The joy of Christmas. The mamas may be stressed out and pulling their hair out, but the kids, 
are filled with joy. And, and every human has known what that emotion is like. And we find it in so many things. But I think maybe the problem is we try to find joy too much in these things. But think about it. When you have received lots of money, I know you have never been disappointed or frowned or were uh, depressed. No one who's ever received any money is like that, unless you were expecting more than you got. But you know, when you achieve something, there's joy. And it can be something simple. Just finishing the last leaf that you've raked out of the yard can bring joy because you've accomplished something, or something much greater than that. A brand new job, or a brand new time in your life where you've achieved something. We entertain ourselves by watching movies, and and going to parties, and and, uh, playing video games, and riding go-karts, and doing whatever we can uh, to entertain ourselves, and that does bring joy. Uh, the relationships we have, uh, our children, our spouse, our grandchildren, our, our friends, our church family, the people that we spend time with, you know them. There's certain people you can't wait to be around them. And when you are around them, you're lifted up, you're filled with joy because of that close relationship that you have. When we see joy in others, that also brings us joy. That's why we love to have children at Christmas. We see the joy in them. And we're filled with joy to see them enjoying the morning so much. Something as simple as having your favorite meal can fill you with joy. You've known that. Maybe it's your birthday or maybe it is at Christmas and you have your favorite meal. You've eaten it, it's tasted wonderful, and now you're just sitting on the couch, full, but filled with joy as well. When great things happen to us, good news we hear, or good things happen. And again, it can be simple things. Sometimes just going through town and getting all green lights brings us joy. Hallelujah, we didn't have to stop once. But isn't it amazing how just little things like that, and you can have a great day where everything's going right, you turn on the radio, it's your favorite songs, you make all the lights. When you're at work, you don't get any disappointing news or bad phone calls. When you're at home, all the news is good from your family. I mean, it can be one of those days, and just those things themselves fill us with joy. But yes, even sin can be joyful. Uh, this verse reminds us of this in Hebrews eleven twenty five. The writer says, Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. But the sins of the flesh bring joy, and a lot of people pursue them. If sin wasn't so joyful, people wouldn't do it. That's, That's why people do it. And so when we want that feeling of joy, and we want joy, all of these things and many more bring it. And so that's why there's so many people in our world, so many even Christians, who are going after sinful pleasures or going after things that aren't sinful, like family or money or trying to bring about happy circumstances. Whatever it is, these things do bring us joy. But there's a problem with this kind of joy. Even notice it here in this verse that the pleasure of sin is short-lived. 
And that's what happens to us when we find joy in all of these things in life that bring us that wonderful emotion. You see, sin brings consequences. It always does. Sometimes it takes a while for it to catch up to us. But sin, God says the wages of sin, your payment for sin is death. It may be fun for a moment, but death is never fun. The consequences of sin dampen that joy. But even the things that we enjoy in life that aren't sinful, that are legitimate things, things God has created to give us joy, even those are temporary. Think about all the the things I mentioned. If you make all the lights one day, the next day they're all red, and now you're fuming. I mean, where was that joy the day that was there the day before? It's all gone. Or you get the big check, you got the money, you got the gift, you're riding high, and then uh, the car breaks down, and then the water heater goes out, and then uh, uh, your kids are asking for money, and, and now where did all that money go? It's gone. Even that meal that you enjoyed, you know, a few hours later you're hungry. I need some more food now. What? You know, <laughs> that one didn't last long. Relationships can falter, can break down. Your closest friend can turn on you, betray you, and then the very side of them sickens you. The joy is gone. You see how joy can quickly and easily be part of our lives and bring us that emotion of joy, but also just as quickly it can be gone. And because of that, if the source of our joy is only these things in life, that are temporary, the problem is then we have to have them more and more and more in our life for us to have that feeling of joy. The the perfect example is money. You know, when you're a little kid and you got a dollar bill, you are excited. I'm sure a dollar doesn't really excite you now. I mean, there was a point $100 did, then $1,000 did, then $10,000 did. Maybe now you need $100,000 for you to get excited. You see the, the diminishing returns on that joy. And the same is true with other things. Maybe the first time there was great joy, but the second time not so much, so you needed to do it more and more, more often or more of it before it produced joy. When this joy that comes from these things in life are faced with heartache, disappointment, hurt, that joy collapses and it crumbles. There's no amount of entertainment that's going to cover up hurt and grief when someone's sinned against you or pained you or a loved one has passed away. It just sounds almost uh, cruel if we told someone who was hurting, hey, go watch a movie, you'll feel fine. Wouldn't that be cruel? Because we know that joy that comes from life and circumstances is not deep enough, not strong enough to bring us through those trials in life. And so what we say about joy that comes from life is that ultimately it's unsatisfying. It's satisfying for a moment. It has its place. I'm not saying that you should always be glum and gloom unless there's a different kind of joy. I mean, enjoy your meal. Enjoy your entertainment. 
Enjoy the relationships. Enjoy all those things except for the sin. Okay, don't enjoy that. But enjoy all those things. That's why God's given them to us. But don't do this. Don't enjoy them and think that is where joy comes from and that that's what's going to get you through life and give you a joyful life because it's not. It's ultimately unsatisfying. And that's what Solomon found out when he tested and he was going to find uh, happiness in pleasure. And this is what he said. Go ahead, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy what is good. But it turned out to be futile. I said about laughter, it is madness. And about pleasure, what does this accomplish? It's unsatisfying. So where is the real source of joy? That's the one interesting thing about the movie The Grinch. The Grinch sees that Christmas joy doesn't come in packages, but somehow miraculously he just changed when he realizes that. <laughs> well, where did he get his joy from, though? I mean, where is the source of joy at Christmas? Where is the source of joy that would make your heart bigger and would, uh, would change the color of your eyes and would, would put a smile on your face and turn you in, from a Grinch into a jovial person? The movie, the book, doesn't give us that answer. In fact, Dr. Seuss struggled with it, he said, when he was trying to write the ending because he didn't want to make it too religious. And so he was struggling with how to make the ending, how to make a moral statement, and so he kind of gets it right. I mean, the Grinch changes and realizes Christmas isn't in presence. But where is it? The movie doesn't tell us, but the Bible does. It's in God. I don't know how to make it any simpler than that. Joy comes from God. That is the source of joy. And it begins with a relationship with God. And that is the whole story of Christmas. That's what the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2. Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you, listen, good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. What's the good news of great joy? Today, a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. Without God in your life, you cannot have a joy that ultimately satisfies and is fulfilling and stands up to the trials of life. And that's why people without God go from one thing to another, searching for joy. They have it for a moment. They think they've got the grasp, or they think they've got it figured out, and then it slips through their fingers, and they're dismal again. That's because they don't have God in their life. Great joy comes from knowing God, a relationship with God. That is the announcement the angel made to the shepherds. A Savior is born. You want joy in your life, real joy, then you have to have a relationship with God. Believe in Him as your Savior, that He has saved you from your sin. And that's the beginning of that joyful relationship. But it doesn't end with a moment of belief. It also comes when we abide in Jesus. We, we stay with Him. The closer we are to God, the more joyful we're going to be. And remember Jesus, I read this verse earlier. He said to the disciples, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What are these things? What had Jesus just spoken to them? If you look 
back, you find out this is what he said to them. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Those were the things Jesus told them that would make their joy complete. Abiding in Jesus. I'll, I'll just give you a simple definition. It's just staying close to Him. That, that's what it means. That, that you're listening to Him. That you're walking with Him. That you're obeying Him. When we don't do those things, when we're not listening, we're not obeying, we're not walking with Him, we're way, way, way afar afield from Him. And that's why there's no joy. Uh, these other verses tell us the same thing. Jesus, just a chapter later in the same uh, conversation with the disciples, says, So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will rob you of your joy. What is the context of this voice? He's talking about the fact he is going to die. He is going to be buried. They're not going to see him. They'll be filled with sorrow. But... When Jesus is with them, then they will rejoice. The, the simple fact that Jesus was with them would bring joy that no one would be able to take away. This verse in the Psalms tells us the same thing. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Do you see the, the theme through these verses? In the presence of God, being close to God, abiding with God brings joy. And joy, again, notice that's complete. And joy that no one can steal from you. Now that is the joy that all of us want in life. And it's found in God. Another way to say it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know this verse very well. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice the second one. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. In other words, what's the fruit of the Spirit? It's when God is in us. And fruit is what's the result, what's produced. When we abide in Jesus, when the Holy Spirit fills us, the result is Joy. It's saying the same thing in a different way. So it's abundantly clear that if we want joy that's going to last, it comes from God and it comes from staying close to Him and being filled by His Spirit. And this joy is permanent because God is always with us. It's only us that go away from Him. Like I said, if you go away from God, the joy is not going to be there, but that's your fault. That's my fault. But when we go to the source, it's always there. Satan can't take it away. Your circumstances can't take it away. No one can take it away. It's a joy that when there are trials, it stands and comforts us and helps us. It's a joy that strengthens us. Nehemiah says, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so when we are filled with His joy, it can't be taken away, it strengthens us, and it comforts us in our time of need. The last verse I want to share with you is a reminder that the simple fact that we are God's, that we are saved, that we have an eternal home, that simple truth and the fact that God lives in us 
is enough for us to be overflowing with joy. I know sometimes we think we need the other stuff. You know, we, we need the relationship, we need the good meal, we need the money, we need the entertainment, we need all of that, or we're not going to have joy. There's joy in those things. But even without those, when we are close to God and we have salvation, then there is joy. Listen to what Peter says. You rejoice in this. Okay, what is this? Entertainment, money, achievement, accomplishment. No, he doesn't say that. You rejoice in this. Though now for a short time you've had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you rejoice in this. that Even though you're having trials, your faith is being tested. You love Him, though you have not met Him. And that, though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. And rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Where does inexcribable or inexpressible and glorious joy come from? Knowing that we are being saved, that we are being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Do you see where it comes from? Not the bows and the packages and the things that the Grinch realized it didn't come from. The Grinch had it half right. It doesn't come from those things, but where does it come from? It comes from God. It comes from the knowledge that we are saved and we are being changed. That is the joy that it comes from. The Grinch got it half right. One of Christmas is a little bit more, and it is. Notice this cartoon. I don't get it. I've opened all my presents. I've gotten tons of stuff, but somehow I'm not satisfied. And the little boy says, there's one present you haven't opened. And I know that it's the only thing that will satisfy. And so you see the verse from Psalm 107. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. This Christmas season I know will be stressful because we're Americans and we make it that way. <laughs> this is going to be that way. And your life is going to be stressful and filled with things that want to steal your joy. But brothers and sisters know this, that even in the midst of those things, and really as Peter says, because of those things, our faith is strengthened, we have Jesus as our Savior, and permanent, satisfying, comforting, strengthening joy is ours. Take a hold of that gift this morning. I mean, especially if you're down and depressed and it just feels like life's against you. Don't let, listen to Satan or listen to yourself and uh, how you look at life. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and, and stay close to Jesus and allow that joy to fill you up and overflow in your life. Father, I do pray this morning that our lives be filled with the joy that you give. Lord, I know that we don't live every single moment in a joy that feels the same as when we do get something super exciting happening in our life. Lord, I know emotionally there are ups and downs when it comes to happiness and joy. 
But Lord, I also know this, that there can be an abiding, uh, an undercurrent of joy that strengthens us and comforts us and sees us through each and every day. I pray that for myself, my brothers and sisters, and I pray that even as we enjoy the things in life that bring us joy, that, Lord, we would ultimately come to you and stay close to you so that you can fill us with your joy and our joy may be complete. That is my prayer this morning, Lord, and I pray in Jesus in your precious name and your name which brings joy. I pray, Jesus, amen. Stand with me, please, and we're going to sing joy, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. What better way to end our service than to sing that? So sing it with joy, sing it with excitement. If you have any need or you want prayer, Pastor Brandon will be here.